are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. It is Twitter Tuesday, and actually, as you are listening to this show, the Giants are doing their final OTA, which is open to the media. They do have OTAs through Thursday, but today's uh, OTA is the last one open to the media until training camp begins in July. So hopefully uh, this Twitter Tuesday will tide you over. Uh, On Wednesday, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View and I are going to discuss the Giants spring. We'll talk about what encouraged us and what our concerns are. On uh, Thursday, I'll have another show for you, probably a wrap-up show on the spring. And then starting next week, we're going to kind of go into uh, downtime mode where we're not going to be coming uh, with a podcast every day. What we're going to do is we're going to probably space them out a little bit and then pick them up after the July 4th holiday as we get a little closer to the starter training camp. Uh, Even I have to take some time off, folks. So um, do appreciate you listening, and I do appreciate you understanding um, as we enter this uh, quiet time. Okay, so we have about, uh, I want to say, a little over two dozen questions. So let's jump right in, starting with a pair from Pass 10 who has a question Let's see, a question about Daniel Jones and a question about C.J. Conrad. The first one, hypothetically, do you think Daniel Jones could beat out Eli Manning for a starting job? No, not at this point. Everybody seems to think that's the case, or I should say a lot of people seem to think that's the case. Daniel Jones right now, even though he looked good in the spring, there was no pass rush. There wasn't as much pressure to make quicker reads. You know, let's pump the brakes here. You don't have a, you know, it's very rare that, that a, you know, a rookie comes in and beats out, you know, a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. So um, I think in time, Daniel Jones will get better, but to beat him out for a starting job, no, don't see that happening for week one. Uh, Ange passes second question. Could CJ CJ Conrad's progress open the door for a Red Ellison departure cutter trade? Nope. They're going to keep at least three tight ends, possibly four. Red Ellison is going to be the is going to be one of them. So don't see that happening this year. Okay, next question comes from Giant Dreaming wants to know, after watching Jones live, do you feel a little bit better about Gettleman picking him at six? Well, I mean, quite honestly, I mean, while the move surprised me, I didn't, I can't say I sat here and I hated it. I would have liked, obviously, to have seen a pass rusher because, you know, I thought that was a greater area of need. But um, again, look, we got to put this into perspective, folks. The Giants have been practicing in shorts and shells. There's been no contact, no pass rush to speak of. You know, guys, the practice pace has been probably half speed compared to what you would normally see in a game. So let's just, you know, it's let's temper our enthusiasm here and let's temper our expectations. I do think Daniel Jones has looked polished considering, um, you know, some of the other quarterbacks that the team has brought in. 
uh, and that includes Manning, who looked skittish when when he was a rookie. I remember covering him his first, you know, off season. But let's pump the brakes here a little bit and just remember that Daniel Jones still has to learn. He still has to, you know, play at a heart, at a higher speed. There are some deficiencies in his throwing, such as throwing too high of a pass, meaning he's putting a little too much air under the ball, which will allow defensive players to get into a position to pick them off. Um, he's zipping the ball a little too quickly. The ball is still coming out of his hand a little too late on some passes. So there's a lot of things he needs to work on before he is ready you know, to, to, to get in there, I think. Next question comes from Big Mush, who wants to know, let's see, Given there's a couple game adjustment period for rookie quarterbacks, would you rather have Jones start five to six games this year, meaning the Giants have a bad year this year, or have Giants have a good year and wait until game one next year, possibly putting 2020 in jeopardy? Okay, I think what Big Mush is asking there is, would I rather see Jones start a few games this year regardless uh, if it means that that the Giants would have a bad uh, season? Look, I mean... (laughs) The, the Giants, as long as they are in the playoff hunt, Eli Manning is going to be the starter. I mean, you guys might not agree with this, but they owe that to Eli Manning, you know, for all the years that, that they just, you know, they basically didn't help him. They didn't support him with the talent that, that could have helped him get the job done. I know you don't want to hear that, but that's just, that's the sentiment. Um, regarding Daniel Jones, I do think there will be opportunities for him to get into the into the game. Um, if the Giants have a blowout, for example, either way, I think you'll see him come in. I think maybe later on in the year you might see, just as the Chiefs did with Pat Mahomes uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago rather, um, where Pat Mahomes came in, um, and uh, you know he was a quarterback. I think for for a late game once I think the Chiefs had wrapped up a playoff berth. So that's a possibility. Um, But as long as the games are tight, as long as the Giants are in the mix, you will not see Daniel Jones. And again, folks, as good as Jones has looked, there are still some flaws to his game that need to be ironed out. And they are not flaws that are necessarily going to be ironed out in a week or two. They're going to take some time. They're going to take some reps. So let's see how this kid does when the pace is faster, let's see how he does when he has to face a pass rush. You know, you know, it's okay to be, you know, encouraged by what you've seen and what you've read, but I think we also need to tap the brakes here. Next question, John F. Some media and fans think Gettleman comes off as cocky and know-it-all in his pressers. I find this approach to the media refreshing, even calling beat writers by name. Last GMs seem to hate pressers. What's your opinion of Gettleman and pressers? John, I have no problem with Gettleman. I mean, I look, I ask him a question. He always gives me a respectful answer. You know, he's he, I don't find him to be a, a smart aleck or anything like that. I mean, you know, I, I see him like this. You know, I saw him. Uh, how are you, Dave? You know, how you doing? We, we swapped war stories, you know, from our cancer treatments. Um, 
But with that said, you got to remember, Gettleman's job is not to cater to the media. He's not there to tell them what their plan, what his plan is. He's not there to to tell them every little single move he he plans to make or what he's thinking or or what's going on. There is such a thing as a competitive advantage, and I think those that have a problem with Gettleman do so because he's not as forthcoming. Now, um, regarding Jerry Reese, again, I never really had a problem with Jerry Reese. Um, When I asked him something directly, he was always respectful. He always gave me a decent answer. Was he a little skittish in in doing pressers? Yeah, I I can agree with that. But, um, But again, you know, different people. Some people don't like to talk in front of a group. Some people do. So Gettleman is very entertaining and and a guy who, you know, I think does the best he can with the, with the circumstances that he's in. So, all right, next question from Marbles108. Uh, this offseason, a few times you've been around the team. What is your feeling about the team? Are they hungry? Marbles, yeah, I mean, every year the team is hungry. But with that said, I think that there is a, a, bigger um, sense of urgency if there is such a thing Um, they know that they got to start keeping that arrow pointing upward because if they don't that's not going to reflect well on anybody so I do think that you know this is a hungry team you got a lot of young kids uh, on the team who want to prove themselves who want to justify their draft pick or justify being on an NFL roster so I think I think in that regard Maybe the makeup of the the roster does make for a hungrier team, if you will. So um, it's going to be fun to watch them, I think. I really do. Next question comes from Evan A. Baker, who wants to know, where does Evan Brown fit into the equation at center, if at all? Um, Evan, right now with offensive line play, as with defensive line play, you can't really tell because the pads aren't on. You don't see how these guys are blocking or anything like that. Now, here's what I will tell you. I know Evan Brown did some work um, last year at guard, trying to, you know, learn center and guard. Um, There's a young man that they added to the roster this year by the name of James O'Hagan, who is a rookie out of Buffalo. James O'Hagan is a center. I believe he can also play some guard and he can long snap. So if you're talking about a competition and who might have the edge just based on, you know, what's on paper, I would probably guess that that O'Hagan would have an edge over Evan Brown. But uh, again, once the pads go on, we'll be able to better see um, what's going on. And uh, look, Evan Brown is a kid that that's jumped out at me last year. I liked how he played. Uh, I liked how, you know, the offense functioned under him you know, under his leadership. So I have no reason to think that he's digressed, but we'll see if he, if he has. Next question from LD Loeb. What's who's, uh, let's see. He, okay. He also asks about Evan Brown, if he's still on the team. So I just answered that question. Sorry about the, the, the duplicate there, but shout out to you, LD Loeb, um, for us, for asking that question. Um, did what I acknowledge, acknowledge you for that. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have plenty more on this Twitter Tuesday. So do stay with us.
Welcome back to Locked On Shines with Patricia Trainer. We are on a Twitter Tuesday. So we are going through your questions and they are great questions as always, folks. Really appreciate you sending them in. And don't forget, if you want to get involved with Twitter Tuesday or Twitter Thursday, whatever day we have the mailbag, please make sure you send them to me and you tag them Ask P Train. That's the way I will find them. All I have to do is click on that little hashtag and up pops all the questions you send. It's a little harder if you just are responding to something that I post and you don't have that hashtag. So please try to remember to do that. Um, if you want to write a little bit more than what Twitter allows, you can send your questions to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. All right, continuing your questions. Ralph D353 says, I know it's super early, but can you talk a little bit more about how Daniel Jones compares at this point to Davis Webb, Kyle Loletta, and Ryan Nassib? Um, Ralph, I think the best way to put that answer would be uh, Daniel Jones has progressed fairly quickly. He doesn't look like a deer caught in the headlights. You know, he comes out, he's, he's Mr. Cool, Mr. Calm. Um, he, he, he has a huddle presence, um, you know, doesn't seem intimidated by his surroundings, the media, you know, the, you know, playing with some, some against big stars and all that stuff. Um, just overall, I just think he's, he's grounded, I guess is the good way, is a good way to say it. But you know, again, it is early, you know, you're in the practices and um, the practices are run at half speed, but it just seems to me that Jones has also a, a better grasp of the offense. Now, to be fair, um, Davis Webb played under a different offense for a little bit, as did Ryan Asip. Uh Kyle Loletta last year, really, you know, not much was expected because he was making the leap from a smaller program to the NFL, whereas Duke is a little bit bigger of a program, I think, than Richmond was, or Richmond is. Um, so just, I, I think overall, Daniel Jones is on the right track. Um, I like that nothing bothers him, that he's not phased by anything, but we shall see how he looks in the summer when, you know, the speed picks up. But thanks for that question. That was a really good question. Okay, who buy, who buying? I'm drunk. <laughs> That's a cute screen name. Um, so this gentleman wants to know, I want a prediction. Coleman, Latimer, uh, Slayton, Fowler, Shepard. Who doesn't make it? Mm, let's see. Tate and and Sterling Shepard, I think, are, are, are in. I think Corey Coleman will make it. I think Darius Slayton will make it. I think, ooh, that's a tough one. That is a real tough one. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, I'm actually writing a roster prediction for Forbes. So I, I have to debate that one between, you know, Lat, uh, between Latimer, um, Fowler and Russell Shepard. I'm thinking Russell Shepard might be on the bubble there. Um but that's a tough one. So I, I got to give that one some more thought. Uh, I will have an answer for you definitely when I post my Forbes article on, on the roster prediction. So that article will be out probably, if it's not out today, it should be out by Wednesday. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, I got to give that one some thought. I got to do some statistical research before I can just 
you know, rattle off a name. So I'm not punting on the question, but I will answer it. But let me do some more uh, thought on, give some more th- thought on about that. All right, next question. Hang O So Willow. So when do you think Landon Collins and OBJ Odell Beckham will stop referencing New York Giants before or after their current current teammates get sick of them commenting? More importantly, why is it posted in the New York media? They are gone. Um, look, I I get it. I I uh, try not to post anything you know that they have to say because they are gone. You're correct. But here, I'll tell you I'll tell you something about Landon and about Odell. Both have been pretty good. When you ask them a question, they don't duck as a rule from answering the question. So that, not surprisingly, includes questions about their time with the Giants. Now with Odell, you can debate whether or not he, he took swipes at Eli, you know, Eli Manning and the Giants with some of his more recent comments. You know, that's all well and good. But look, as, as long as they're going to answer the questions and not tell reporters, you know, next question or that's that chapter's closed. That stuff's going to make its way back to New York and you're going to have people who write for tabloids or whatever um, or, or who need the clicks or who live, who make a living on, on uh, the number of clicks that they get on an article. Uh, they're going to continue to write about it. So, you know, look, there are people that still want to read about that stuff. Odell's name certainly does draw attention it draws clicks um it draws page views so it's going to continue i guess every time he has something to say or every time you know he does something and you know i i personally have moved on um i do occasionally link to an article but you know as a rule i try not to write too much about that and you know that's just my approach to it everybody else has different approaches so to each his or her own Next question comes from Ramdude75. Who will the starters in the secondary be along with Jack Rabbit, Janoris Jenkins? Um, well, the safeties, we already know, Jabril Peppers and Antoine Bethay. And at cornerback, that's a tough one. I mean, I know some people have DeAndre Baker already penciled in. I am wondering if he does beat out Sam Beal and Sam Beal takes this year because even though, you know, he stuck around last year, he did miss a year's worth of activity. And I think your future cornerbacks are going to be Beal and Baker. Um, that after, you know, Janoris Jenkins is no longer on this roster. But this year, I I think it's going to be Baker. Um, I just think he plays a little bit more aggressively and just, you know, I just something about his, you know, his game just resonates more so with me than than Beals at this point. But, you know, remember, Beal, I've only seen, you know, a handful of times um, he was, uh, you know, he he was excused for for part of the um, the mandatory minicamp. So probably not fair to make that kind of adjust that kind of prediction just yet. But um, I do think that's going to be one of the more interesting competitions in training camp this summer. Zach Mahoney, too, says, I keep reading a false narrative about Goodson and coverage. Last year, his grades were better than Ogletree's. What are you seeing in practice other than him running with the tools? Does he look a step behind? Um, Zach, if you're looking at grades from Pro Football Focus, um, I like 
a lot of what Pro Football Focus does. I don't fully understand their grading system. And quite frankly, I think it's kind of difficult to grade a player when you don't know what the coverage is supposed to be or what the call was and that sort of thing. Um, also, what you know, the other issue I have with some of their, their stats for linebackers is you look at the number of tackles, but it doesn't break down to how many tackles are being made within seven yards of the line of scrimmage versus, you know, seven or more yards down the field. So I would not put too much stock in, in grades by Pro Football Focus. They're, they Again, to be clear, they have some great information, and I do use their information quite often. Um, grades is not something I, I tend to look at uh, as a rule because, like I said, um, too many variables aren't ac uh, um, accounted for in their grades. Now, regarding Goodson, I think he's more of a downhill type of linebacker, which means he's better off running forward than he is dropping into coverage. Ty Davis is a little faster, a little quicker, has a little better sideline to sideline speed than, than Goodson has. And here's the other thing to, to consider with Goodson. He plays the game so hard, which is a credit to him, you know, but uh, the point is, is he, because he plays so hard, he gets banged up. And what's the, what's the old saying? The best ability is availability. So I don't see any harm in getting, you know, Ty Davis some work with the, with the first team defense. I really don't. And if you're going to give him work with the first team defense, obviously you got to space out the uh, the reps. So that means that that Goodson's going to get some reps with the second team defense. So I I guess I wouldn't read too much into it, but you know those are just some thoughts um, about how the thing has been set up this spring. Crazy De Demon. Uh, says I. Uh, speaking of linebackers, I know you said Ty Davis was someone to look out for as linebackers go, but why do the Giants continue to ignore the linebacker position in the draft? Um, they didn't. I mean, they drafted Zimenez, who's considered an outside linebacker, at thir third overall. I mean, that's the highest draft pick uh, that the Giants have spent on any kind of linebacker since I want to say Jarris Wilkinson back in 2006. Um, they've also tried to draft linebackers in the fourth, fifth round. Um, you know, look, you also go on to ask if they draft linebacker higher, they can cover tight ends like Witten much better. That's not necessarily why they're struggling to cover Witten. Part of it is if you allow the tight ends a free release off the line of scrimmage, meaning you're not bumping them when they're coming off the line of scrimmage, well, yeah, they're going to have an opportunity to find a soft spot in the coverage and settle into that soft spot and, and make a catch. So you really have to look at what's going on, the whole picture, not just, oh, Jason Witten had, you know, 10 catches against the Giants for 200 yards. You've got to look at what's going on. And it starts with bumping the guy. If they're not bumping the guy, if they're just standing there frozen in coverage while Witten has a free release and he gets out into the coverage, finds that soft spot, settles into it, and boom, he gets the ball. That's that's not on the linebackers per se. That's more on the, you know, the scheme, not bumping him and disrupting that pattern and that timing. So uh, just a little FYI on that. Um, as far as, you know, 
drafting linebackers higher? That I I can't answer. I think I think you know when you look at football, it starts in the trenches. So. If you're the Giants, you want to try and get the pressure up front. You want to have guys take the blockers up, you know. So you have a guy like Dexter Lawrence who can take up a couple of blockers. And when you can do that, now you actually open up gaps for the linebackers to shoot through and blow up plays in the backfield. So that's, you know, just just a quick overview uh, on what I think they're trying to do there. All right, next one comes from Black Banjo Tony. Yeah, Black Banjo Tony. How do you assess a change in the atmosphere in the moon, the Giants coaching staff and assistance compared to last preseason? And how would you contra- contrast it with the last McAdoo years? All right, first part of your question, Tony. Um, this year, the coaching staff has had a full year to work together. So I think they know each other a little bit better. There's not that, you know, when you're first getting to know somebody, sometimes you're a little, I guess, hesitant. Um, Sometimes you hold back a little bit. So now they have a familiarity with each other. They know what works, what doesn't work, what they have to change. And I think that's the biggest difference, a comfort level that that is continuing to grow regarding how to contrast it with with the last McAdoo years. McAdoo was, was, was a different scenario. I mean, the problem with him is in the second year, coming off that 11-1 season, I think he bought into his press clippings. And when the team just wasn't good enough, I, I got the impression that there was pressure put on everybody, the players and the coaches, to make sure that they exceeded or at least matched what they had done the year before. So, you know, kind of different, but I hope, you know, that still answers your question. Thank you for that question. All right, folks, you're listening to Locked on Giants. It is a Twitter Tuesday. We're going to take a final break, come back, and we have a few more questions. So do stay with us. Welcome back to Locked on Giants. Segment three, we're on a Twitter Tuesday, and you are with Patricia Trena. Do appreciate you tuning in, and I hope you're enjoying the show. We have a few more questions submitted as part of the Ask P Train hashtag, so let's jump right in. And uh, let's see, I didn't catch a name here, so let me see if I have a name actually. Uh, yeah, here we go. Runtfan78 submitted this question. Wants to know what are your thoughts about the Giants considering keeping Eric Dungey as the number three emergency quarterback? while he could also play H-back, tight ends, and specials. Um, Run fan, I think it's a good idea in theory, but the problem is is that Dungy has missed a lot of time with, I believe, it's either a back or a hip injury. He's got one of those two. Um, I forget what was reported. Um, But anyway, he hasn't been able to work out. So the more time he misses, the less likely he's going to be around. But I think the... The whole concept of finding the next Taysom Hill was certainly intriguing. And uh, I hope the Giants actually find somebody like that, to be honest with you. Okay, this next question comes from Rico Delore. Wants to know, when was the last Giants game you remember them playing in snow outside of the rain sleet snow game in Buffalo in 2007? Ooh, um, obviously I remember the 2008 NFC championship game that was played in Green Bay. There was snow on the ground. Um, I think it 
I can't remember if it rained or it might have sleeted that night, but I don't remember if the Giants played in that in the conditions. I think when we flew in, the weather was pretty bad uh, because I remember it being kind of an adventure getting from the airport to the hotel. But I, I that's a tough one. I mean, the Giants haven't really played much at home in late January when the weather really gets, you know, yicky out. So I would say probably a number of years. I mean, un- unless we're talking like a monsoon or something like that. Um, no, your question is about snow. I, I-, I can't remember um, a-, a recent time at home, especially because, you know, the Giants had, I think, the one game at home in 2011, the wild card game. And then I think they went on the road if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, it, it's been a while, Rich. Um, so sorry, I don't have an answer for you off the top of my head on that one. But that was a real good question. Thanks for the stumper. Okay, this last question comes from D. Xiao. I hope I said that correct. Um, schedule question, toughest matchup in the first half of the season. Um, all right, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I'm going to say, uh, let's see, first half of the season. Um, um, let's see, preseason, Cowboys, Bills, Bucks, Washington, maybe the Patriots on October 10th, only because they're the defending Super Bowl champions. Um, and that is a home game for the Patriots, and typically they're, they're pretty stingy at home. I mean, yes, the Giants have beaten them at home before. They've obviously beaten them twice in the Super Bowl. But if I have to pick a game, I would probably say that one's tough. Um, and I would probably say the next toughest one in the first half of the season might be the game at Detroit on the 27th. October 27th would probably be a tough one because that Detroit Lion defense is really building up and you you know um you're gonna have three ex-giants damon harrison devon Kennard, and romeo aquara who i'm sure are going to be very very interested in wreaking havoc against the giants offense so that would probably be the other game i would keep an eye on as far as the marquee goes um <clears throat> the landon collins game uh washington at giants on on the 29th We'll see how that kind of plays out. I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I would necessarily say that's going to be one of the toughest ones, but you know, it's really hard. I mean, to be fair to the opponents, their rosters aren't set, you know, and, and I like to take it one week at a time because obviously injuries and stuff like that can alter just how quote unquote tough a game really is. But on paper, I, I would say the Patriots game and probably the Lions game would be the two that I would, I would look at as the one and two as the toughest in the first half of the season. Okay, folks, that does it for this week's questions. I want to thank everybody for sending them in. They were fantastic. I want to thank you for listening, as always. Um, make sure you tune in tomorrow. Ed Valentine will be with me on the program. We will be talking about the, uh, the uh, spring football uh, with our impressions. We will talk about some of the questions and concerns we have ahead of training camp. And uh, it's going to be a good show. We've already taped that show. And I think you're going to enjoy that one. So make sure you tune in. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Giants podcast. 
I'll be back with you tomorrow.